Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Natalia Spearings. Dr. Spearings is a consultant dermatologist at King's College Hospital who splits her time between Dubai and the UK. She's also author of the new book, Skintelligent, and a very interesting voice in the skincare conversation that often dominates social media. But you won't find her endorsing many brands, products, or services, and we talked to her today to find out why. Get ready to challenge everything you thought you knew about taking care of your skin. so excited to talk to you because I just found you on social media. It's so weird how you just come across someone on social media and then they enter your orbit. I probably should have known about you, but I just love your vibe. And I haven't had a skincare person on probably for the reason that um, I'm, I have trouble finding the right one. I'm pitched a lot of them, um, but I don't want it to be like a PR thing. And I don't want it to be like a skincare product thing. I want it to be like a real taking care of your skin from the inside out thing. And I feel like that's kind of your vibe. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm very, the skincare industry as a whole doesn't really love me very much. So um, yes, uh, I don't, yeah, because I don't, I'm very anti-paid promotion. You probably know that um, I don't pr- promote one brand over another. I really don't think doctors should be doing that. I have very strong opinions about things like this and it gets me in a lot of hot water. But, yeah. Can you, you can know. you describe that? Because I am continually um, pitched doctors who've partnered with brands and I don't think a lot of people know this, like now the experts that you're hearing and I'll, I'll, sometimes they're great experts. So sometimes I'll say sure. Right. But I think, I don't know that a lot of people understand that a lot of who you're seeing quoted in the media have been, um, the result of like a PR, uh, a PR person has, has placed them there sort of. And that's, yeah. So most, yeah. I mean, most doctors, and it, I didn't realize this until recently either. Like um, when you read a, a magazine or whatever, and it says, oh, dermatologist, so-and-so doctor, whatever said this, that is a PR person having slid that person in there. That's not because that journalist went and thought, oh, this is a great doctor. Let me talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not how this happens. So, so some of the best, I mean, I would say that most of the best dermatologists in the UK, at least are not on social media because they just, they don't understand it. They're like, well, I have enough patients. I'm, I'm fine. Why would I do the social media nonsense? So there's only a few of them on there anyway. So um, you're not going to find generally a good doctor on social media. I don't think, at least in my opinion, which I know is stabbing myself in the foot, you know, shooting myself in the foot, but, um, but whatever, I, I don't consider myself as being the same, but whatever, that's fine. Moving on from that. But yeah, so basically <clears throat> what happens is um, especially when I can only really speak about my own specialty. So within dermatology, skincare companies really love doctors and dermatologists promoting their products. We know for, this has been studied. This has been shown as evidence that when a dermatologist who has a title, like a consultant dermatologist or board certified dermatologist, if they say, yes, this product is good, it will sell out much more quickly. So mm-hmm. the, the power that I have because of my title is, is something that I think a lot of doctors don't even realize they have. And to me, if I have a product that I love, if I find a product that I really love, like, let's say, you know, like this highlighter, I really love this highlighter. It is fantastic. 
It's a fantastic highlighter. I, as a medical professional, it is my responsibility. It is my job to give you the best care possible. That means you the best possible. I'm this highlighter brand because this is the best one I found. But this highlighter brand has not paid me to say that, okay? Because um, if I think something's good, I shouldn't have to be paid to tell you. It is my job to tell you which highlighter is the best. It, mm -hmm. That is my response. That's what I took an oath about. That's why I went to medical school so that I can give you that information for free. Right. You know, that's my job. Yeah. So it, for for a dermatologist to go around and say and say yes, this serum is amazing, anti aging, anti pigment, but they're getting paid to say that. Mm -hmm. The credibility is just not to crap. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean. I don't trust you. Would you trust that? No. No, but I mean, this is literally happening and it's dermatology is probably the one of most of the, of the most obvious, but it's happening everywhere, like every, yeah. and, and it's so sneaky the way it happens because the brand mm -hmm. will hire someone as their chief medical officer. Right. And even that way you are tacitly agreeing that the brand's great and you're endorsing it. And I get it. I get it because life is expensive. And when someone comes along and offers you a bucket of money, and it's a easy bucket. to make a bucket. Like it's a lot. Of <laughs> it's a it's not the wheelbarrow of money. Yeah, like it's not just uh, it's not chump change, right? Like there's a reason, yeah. and then okay. everyone justifies everything. And anyway, I I wanted to talk to you about skin, but it's so fantastic to get a doctor to talk about this that I'm just well, I want to talk about it a little bit because I don't think people realize how much it's happening. It's literally. I, I don't know if it's half of the journalism you're seeing or, you know, 60, oh, 70, 70, 80%. I know about it. I'm constantly fighting against it, but I get very busy. And if someone pitches me, you know, a urologist who's willing to talk about whatever, and I'm busy and I need someone, I might take them, you know, like they'll be good. It's just, it's just the way the world has gone. And it's, it's gone this way. And from a journalism perspective, I've just seen, you know, we used to go find our own experts and then you just slowly, you know, they're presented to you and you take one and you take two. And then now I just feel like what's going on? Like, and, and I, and then when I see it everywhere else and you see things said and just repeated, not quit, not questioned. Right. So I don't know. I'm curious what you see out in the media in the, from these sorts of doctors that, that makes your hair curl because <laughs> it's straight. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, a lot of stuff. Like one of the big ones is vitamin C as like the magic panacea for all things skin. Um, it is total, that is total nonsense. Vitamin C basically does very, basically nothing for skin that's useful, at least in the form it's sold like as a serum. Vitamin C is, when it comes down to the science, extremely important for skin health as a cofactor in the production of collagen. Yes, 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 I understand that. It's an antioxidant. Yes, I know, I know. But the utility of it being applied to the skin as a, as a lotion or potion or serum, that is total crap. So then for a doctor to then go, that is the biggest one because for a doctor to go around being like, yeah, vitamin C, vitamin C, I mean, these vitamin C products are not cheap. Okay. No. No. Yeah. And the, the main producer of vitamin C of the, the most commonly bought vitamin C is one of the largest cosmetic companies in the world. And so they pay absolute crap loads of money to dermatologists to go around and saying that their um, product is best. And they do things like sponsor large symposiums. They sponsor events, they, you know, on all this kind of stuff. So it looks as if it's not really biased, but actually every single doctor there is getting paid a good crap load of money to talk about this vitamin C potion. So vitamin C is the one that every time I, I'm like, oh God, you know. <laughs> Even as you say that, I, I like I was a, an arts and life editor. I've been given so many products to try. I've had so many treatments. So I consider myself very skeptical. Like I 
believe it's from the inside out. And I, and when my friends are spending a ton of money, I'm kind of like, okay, guys, whatever. But when you say that about vitamin C, my brain's like, no, um, actually I, I read that everywhere. I see it everywhere. And I know, I know recently I thought I must get like a vitamin C serum. I must, because <laughs> you just, when you see yeah. something everywhere, you can be as awake and aware of how it's done. And still the repetition, it gets in your brain mm-hmm. and you're like vitamin C. So that's crazy to hear you say that. That's, that's great. <laughs> People can pay a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, they, they make the vitamin C, the vitamin C story is insane. But yeah, I mean, I, I go into a lot of, I, I have a whole chapter about vitamin C. Um, is it a whole chapter? Pretty much a chapter in, in the book I wrote because I had to unpick this vitamin C story. And it is very difficult to unpick it um, because there's a lot of bias and there's a lot of stuff written all over the place about vitamin C because there's many, many, many industry-sponsored studies that the methodology is crap, the way they do it is crap, everything's crap, but the headline's great. <laughs> you know, yeah. vitamin C serum reverses signs of fine lines over the course of 12 weeks with regular use in 30 women between the ages of 25 and 35. (laughs) For women at the bus stop. You mentioned a great thing because you mentioned the industry sponsored studies. So can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, an industry sponsored study basically means that the company that makes the product also puts together the study or the trial funds the trial and also chooses the outcome, if you will. I mean, I, I say that very loosely because yes, they have to show that the outcomes co- outcome comes from somewhere, but they can manipulate the numbers to show whatever you want. So an industry sponsored study means that the, the company that makes the product is paying for the trial of the product. So generally speaking, that product will come out shining and amazing because the researchers are being paid to show that. And I'm not saying they're doing it intentionally, that because re- it's a different, it's usually different people. It's, the researchers are different from the company, but I mean, there's a lot, you don't, you just never know. So, yes. and you can message numbers, you know, <laughs> you can to make, they want them to show. So, you know, I don't know. I, it's very difficult to, if you don't understand how to read clinical trials, which the majority of people, even doctors don't really know, then, you know, you can just read the abstract and, and be misled down a whole rabbit hole of, of confusion. So, yeah. Yeah. So your book, um, what would you say drove you to write that book? So I think, and this sounds horrible, but frustration, <laughs> I was just getting annoyed. I, I started getting annoyed that, um, you know, I was seeing patients who were coming to my clinic with like bags full of skincare. Um, and they came really in tears, frustrated. They spent thousands of pounds or dollars or whatever on products. And they still had the same problem they had at the beginning. And they had just given up hope that anything could help them. Um, and then when they went to search for more information, it was all the same biased information coming over and over again. And then when I went to search for information, I was faced with the same problem. I was like, hold on a second, where are we getting this information from? Who is providing the consumer with this information regarding these products? And is there anything that's not biased? And I couldn't find anything that wasn't biased. Um, and then when I started looking at the literature myself and really started, like, like I said, unpicking things, it became very clear to me that most of the skincare stuff that's being sold to us is basically a scam. And to try to explain that in an Instagram live or on a podcast or in any other medium, it became very difficult for me. And I was getting a lot of negative um, negativity from people being like, well, you're so against everything and you know, not everything can be bad. I'm like, no, that's true. Not everything is bad, can be bad. So I was like, well, the only way for me to, to make this work and to make me not look like this really negative cowboy is to write a book where I just put it all down on paper 
and it's you know 450 references. If you don't believe me, read the reference, and then read that other reference, and then read that other reference. So I had I felt like I had to um, you know prove to people that I wasn't just making stuff up, um, and that's really w- what came down to <laughs> why I ended up writing it. Well, it's hard to hear. This is hard to hear because this is yet another like as I've gotten older, I just basically keep hitting. It's like I'm going to maze, and I keep hitting places, and I'm like, okay, that's not what I thought. And that's, and then I have to rethink that and it's exhausting, but it's also important because otherwise you're living a sort of full world where you're just believing things that are told to you and not querying them. And, but this one is particularly difficult for women because we've grown up believing that what we put on our skin makes a huge difference. And I think it does. Cause you, I want to get into, you talk about skincare routines versus the products, but you know, we, when you've spent a ton of money on something and you, you have a belief system, it's a lot to like, do you, do people get angry at you when you're sort of yeah. like, it, and it's cause you're telling them everything they've ever believed is wrong. Right. They don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, people, people don't like that cognitive dissonance. People don't like being told that the, what they spent the past five years doing is, is potentially harming their skin more than helping them for some people. You know, that's a very difficult thing to hear. Cause you're like, yeah, no, I thought I was doing the right thing because Skincare is very much now about self-care mm. and about looking after yourself holistically. So you know, people put a lot of emotion into it. It becomes very like emotive and very personal. So then you say, well, actually your skincare routine is a bit crap or it's, you know, you, these products are just a scam. I mean, that, that hurts deep, you know, within someone's emotions and psyche, you know, but I've been looking after myself. This is how I look after myself. It's like, well, okay. So, you know, you're, t- you're totally right in that. Yeah. It's very emotional. So I, I've had a lot of free treatments, right. And I have have had a lot of free products in my life. So I haven't spent a lot because I'm just sort of cheap. I'm like, I've had all this free stuff. So when I go for like a facial, for example, they always say, so what are you using? Cause they want to sell you their brand. And then they always say, well, it's very important. Like I say, I get a lot of stuff for free. So I just mix and match. And they're like, no, it's very important to use a system. Like we have our system that works together. And I've always thought, really? Cause I have a serum. I have a cream. I have a, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah. All the products are the same. So like pretty much all brands are the same in terms of what the product is. Um, The feel of the products are different. Something is foaming, something is non-foaming, something feels, you know, softer on your skin than another thing. But the bottom line is all these products are made of the same couple ingredients anyway. So they're all based on water. They have a, uh, you know, an emollient in them. There's some type of a emulsifier. There's some type of a preservative. So they're basically all the same. So the idea that you can't like mix different brands in a skincare regime is also total nonsense. But, you know, I mean, it also looks pretty, prettier in your bathroom if they're all the same, you know, so that helps. Uh, but no, I mean, that, that, that is complete nonsense. I mean, t- even today, I just, I had, um, I was on um, morning television here in the UK and I said, when they asked me which moisturizer should, should people buy? And I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter because they're all the same anyway. Just if you want to buy an expensive one, just go right ahead. But it doesn't make any d- difference. A woman immediately tweeted and said, that's totally incorrect. You know, there's huge differences between moisturizers. I'm like, well, not really. Like, come and show me. You know, I'm happy to discuss this um, because really there is no difference. And uh, you're not going to see a difference when you use a 500 pound, a $500 bottle of something versus a $5 bottle. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that whole idea that you have to, you have to be systematic. You have to use the whole, the whole routine. That's mm-hmm. yeah, nonsense. Well, I think when you want, when you spend it, you want to believe that it, you're, you're yeah. benefits of it. Right. Like, I think that that's a, well, I don't know what you call that. It's like, there's definitely a term in psychology where you're, oh, I definitely think my skin has been amazing because I've been using yeah, the or whatever. Sorry. Yeah. 
placebo effect. The placebo effect. Yeah, very complicated yeah. scientific. Yeah. Scientific, scientific. Thank you. It's very hard to decipher and find that term. <laughs> um, so what about clean beauty? Because that's now the huge buzzword. Oh, we all forget what's next. So yeah. Hmm, sorry. Uh, clean beauty. What about clean beauty? Because that's, you know, now <laughs> is there is there a benefit to making sure your um, products don't have certain kinds of chemicals? Um, that's a little bit trickier. Uh, probably not, um, because really they all have the same chemicals in them anyway. So, um, the, I like this, this was a big deal with sunscreen. I don't know if that's physically what you're aiming at, but sunscreen about two years ago, there was a paper published that showed that some chemicals sunscreen was absorbed into the blood mm. and it became this huge thing. Like, oh my God, your sunscreen absorbed into the blood you know when you apply it to your skin therefore you know chemical sunscreens are, we don't know if this is even relevant because this has probably been going on for decades and we just didn't know mm. and so we don't know the relevance of that so you know we people skincare has been basically the same for the past like 80 90 years like the, the actual products themselves haven't changed very much so the, the the basic constituents of them so um the idea that you know parabens are bad for you that's not true either like these things are totally safe to be applied to the skin um, you know, if you want to use a natural, natural being like, I don't know, I mean, petroleum jelly is one of the most natural products <clears throat> ever made, but a lot of people think that's not clean because it's made from petroleum. But so this is a very, to me, it's a very complicated term because it's like, well, what do you mean by natural? Um, you know, is it, is that vegan or is mm -hmm. it organic or does it not come from a factory? Because all your creams will come from a factory. They're not made in like a farm. These mm -hmm. aren't eggs, you know? <laughs> You're not dropping papaya mashes on your face. You're not. Yeah. 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 So let's yeah. dive into sunscreen then because, okay, um, sunscreen, does it go into your bloodstream? Do you, what do we need to know about it? Yeah. I'll yes. I mean, the main thing with this whole bloodstream sunscreen issue, we, we really, still two years down the road, no one really knows whether this is relevant. It probably is. Your liver is very good at detoxifying your blood anyway. And we're subjected to chemicals all the time through the environment, through our mouths, noses, or whatever. So I'm sure we get some through our skin as well. So I, I don't think that's relevant. Um, I'm made of zinc oxide or titanium dioxide purely because I think they work much better than chemical sunscreens because you can see them on your skin. Um, and they reflect light. And if you can see it on your skin, that means you know it's there. And it's a good kind of aid memoir for people to reapply their sunscreen. Sorry, their sunscreen. So that's one thing I like about minerals, mineral ones. People don't like them because they lift, lift, leave this cast on their face. It doesn't bother me so much. Um, the other thing is that it doesn't need to be reapplied as often as chemical sunscreens because chemical sunscreens become photodegraded. So as the sun shines on you, the chemical sunscreen reacts with the UV light and then it gets destroyed. That's why they tell you to reapply it every two hours. Okay. So, um, so there's a lot of issues with that. And the, the final thing really is that chemical sunscreen is about 2% of all contact allergies. So people who feel they're allergic to sunscreen are allergic to Come, come find are found to be allergic to chemicals and chemical sunscreen. So it has a much higher rate of, of um, allergy and mineral sunscreens generally do not cause contact allergy. What about the SPF? Because that's another thing where you hear anything above 30 is a joke. And it, like, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so SPF is, is about how long you can stay out of the sun um, without burning if you were not wearing sunscreen. So if it's an SPF, 50, you can stay out of the sun 50 times longer than if you weren't wearing sunscreen. Um, it, the number itself, 
does have a meaning and it is something that's calculated in a in a lab setting but of course a lab setting isn't human life so um really in fact if you're wearing an spf 50 you're probably only wearing enough to get an spf 25 so you're only protecting yourself half as much as you think you are from mm -hmm. the sun you know the idea in the states you can buy an spf 100 in the eu that's not been recognized as being a, a true sunscreen um it's quite sunscreen regulation is actually quite a complicated area that changes in every country um but so, I mean, I would, I just say stick with SPF 50, uh, use a mineral, reapply as often as you can. But more importantly than that, just a sun avoidance is more important. So, you know, I encourage my patients to wear a hat, you know, wear long sleeves if you're going to be gardening. Don't rely on sunscreen. Real, sunscreen should be like your third line mm -hmm. because of all these issues of application and with um, chemicals and stuff, people are scared. So I'm like, well, don't rely on sunscreen, use it as your third line, stay out of the sun, use protective clothing, and then use your sunscreen. And what about in relation to vitamin D? Because now, you know, some people are saying we should be out and get 20 minutes a day and your skin should get a little bit of pink and it shouldn't have SPF. So how do you weigh these things? So, so, I mean, I think the, the way the British Association of Dermatologists kind of says this is they say you do not need sun exposure for vitamin D, um, you can take a supplement. So a lot of people don't like that. That's the BAD official stance. So that's like, you know, dermatologists here. Um, I have perhaps a little bit more of a um, kind of relaxed thing about this. I'm like, well, um, it depends what your skin color is and where you live to determine how much sunlight you need for vitamin D. If you are Caucasian um, and you live in Abu Dhabi, uh, five minutes of exposing your hands to the sun three times a week is almost certainly sufficient to maintain your vitamin D. Yeah, because you're very fair and you live in a very strong sunny, sunny the, sun, the sun's very strong. If you live in Norway and you're Indian, mm -hmm. then you'll almost certainly need, you know, 30 minutes of hands in, in on a sunny day, midday. Okay. So it does depend on your skin type, where you live, um, and that change. So there's no set rule for this. So that's why I just, then taking a supplement is the easy answer for everyone, just take 400 ID, end of story. Uh, but if you use people using it, it's like, oh, I need to get my vitamin D, so I'm gonna go out in the sun. Like, well, no, but then just your hands is enough. And then also we have some evidence to suggest that you can develop vitamin D in your skin even while you're wearing sunscreen. So, oh, oh there okay. you go. Okay. I heard that you should now wear sunscreen while you're using the computer. Yeah, the blue light. Um, yeah, so that's not true. Uh, <laughs> I, I really uh, thought, okay, this is just an attempt to sell more sunscreen. I really feel, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And people are also selling like from your phone as well. So apparently you can get um, UV damage. You can get melasma can worsen from your blue light from your phone. I'm on my phone on the screen. So the intensity of the light coming from your screen is so much lower than that done in, in a trial setting that is almost certainly, it's totally irrelevant. So it has to do about the intensity of the light and um, the intensity of the screen light is just like zero, you know? So there is just no impact at all on your skin, like zip. So you shouldn't worry about that. You don't need a special sunscreen. I, I, they're gonna, I, like before too long, there's gonna be a special sunscreen for that. I would, I would there bet. There is, there oh, is. I, Kylie skin has one that's specifically for, for blue light. Kylie skin? Kylie. Kylie. Kylie, skin. Kylie. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There's smart. There's smart people over there. Um, yeah. 
I heard uh, Bobby Brown, the, who, you know, founded the makeup company um, and then also Jones Road. I heard her on a podcast and it was interesting because it was a beauty podcast, which I never normally listen to, but I was listening to it. And they said, what's your favorite skincare? And I've never heard anyone be less interested in a question. And she said, it doesn't matter. It's all about what you eat. She was, she was like, it, it, I mean, she doesn't make skincare, but she does now. And I just, I've never heard what someone be less interested in a topic. And she just said, it's all about how you live and what you know. Yeah. Yeah. Which I would, and your, I think strongly your genetics. So how you live, what you eat and your genes that will decide on, you know, what your skin ultimately looks like. I think the amount of, I mean, this is me just ballpark figuring it, but I think, you know, the amount of control we and as individuals have over the way our skin looks, it would probably be like 2%. Like, you know, with, in terms of what you're applying to your face, it's largely genetic, environmental, lifestyle related. Um, and then like maybe up maybe 5% what you actually do to your face, unless you have a skin problem and then what you do is gonna be relevant. But for the majority of people, you know, you could use the most expensive creams, LED masks, light masks, get a facial every week and God knows what else uh, for a year and your skin probably won't look any different than it did at the beginning of the year. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so what should we immediately stop doing? to uh, improve the way we look? So I think for, for skin appearance, so I yeah. think the, the first immediate thing I would get anyone to stop is exfoliating with a scrub. So ditch the exfoliating, because you treat your face gently. Mm-hmm. You know, your facial skin is, is, it needs to be treated gently. Don't exfoliate your face. You're gonna lead yourself down um, to more problems. I would skip the toner. Mm-hmm. So that does nothing at all. So I don't see the point of using a toner. Definitely ditch that. No masks, also pointless. Don't understand it. That's just drying for your skin. Anything where you're leaving water on your skin for an extended period of time is, is not a great idea. Skin doesn't like water. Just like if you're in a bathtub for a long time, your skin gets a little bit trivially. Yeah, mm-hmm. same with your skin, dry. Um, I would also try to get my patients to avoid using cosmetic acne products where they like spot treat with like benzoyl peroxide. It just dries out the skin and, and causes more problems. There's a lot of things I tell people not to do. Um, obviously stay out of the sun don't smoke. Um, but like when you're looking at your bathroom and stuff you have in your bathroom, I think the things you can immediately ditch are the toner, the, the, the scrubs, the grainy scrubs, eye cream, you know, that can definitely go. So <laughs> any jade rollers, ditch those led light mask. Goodbye. Like <laughs> face yoga devices. No, thank you. So, oh, the Clarisonic clean cleaning brush. <laughs> the giant the toothbrush for your face yeah Yeah, no 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 (laughs) all of that a lot of things i just be like no 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 treat your skin gently even if you have fantastic skin that doesn't mean you can attack it with like gadgets and devices because eventually you may cause yourself some issues okay and uh foods like do you do you feel like processed foods alcohol those things are are troublesome for our skin i think so not, not directly to skin, but as an indirect effect on your general health, if you eat a lot of crap, if you eat a very high sugar diet, if you drink a lot of alcohol, that will impact your general health, which then will impact your skin. Okay. So, um, so, but there's no direct link between a certain food and a skin pathology, unless you have a known allergy or intolerance to something like celiac disease, people get specific rashes related to that disease. So there are sp- very specific things, but generally speaking, I mean, I always, with patients, I say, you know, just live in a health, healthful way. 
and you know you shouldn't eat crisps for dinner every day you know mcdonald's is probably not a great idea every week mm-hmm. you know just try you know Domino's is not our friend, that kind of thing. Um, as you know, and then a balanced diet, whenever I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a nutritionist, I don't about that, but I just, you know, be do what you generally and you're, you're you generally will look and feel better. Okay. Um, so I, I'm I the thing I see all the time is collagen, collagen peptides. I'm wondering what you think of those. Put it in your smoothie um, and put it in your smoothie, Jennifer Aniston. Oh my god, hers in her smoothie. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you if you if we kind of go down to very basic science here, collagen is a very big protein molecule, molecule and it's found in in most animal or all animal things you eat. So when you eat collagen or protein, it goes into your gut, it gets broken down into individual amino acids, and it gets absorbed in your gut as amino acids. That's the only way you can absorb collagen or any protein if it's broken down into the individual amino acids and then you absorb it and it goes and does whatever it needs to do in your body the idea that if you drink a collagen supplement and that collagen will go directly to your skin and do something magical to your dermis is complete fantasy so it, it is one of the to me the collagen industry is, is a hugely profitable industry but it's also one of the biggest scams i have ever come across in skincare because it's just so nonsensical. And the studies that are done of this are so crap that like, I can't believe they even get published in peer-reviewed journals. Right. It is horrifying. Yeah, so no, stay, stay away from collagen. I've seen some very popular doctors talking about collagen for women of a certain age. And speaking of women of a certain age, I'm also yeah. noticing a big push for hormone therapy for your skin to prevent the dryness and sagging and creepiness that can happen. Estrogen particularly is the one that, what, where is, what's your take on that? Yeah, so so in in my view, so I don't prescribe HRT to patients myself because it's not my area. It's kind of not my area, but we know that a drop in estrogen when you go through menopause does affect skin hydration levels. It does affect the way your skin looks. Um, however, taking HRT has a lot more. I, I'm going to say important effects on the body than just on the skin. So even though skin is my area of specialty, I do appreciate that skin in the hierarchy of health is not that high. Like, you know, joint health is almost certainly more important. Cardiovascular health wins as well. So Mm. HRT has a role in bones, joints, cardiovascular health in women. So I wouldn't want someone to go on HRT just for their skin without any other issues. Like that, I, I think that would potentially be poor practice because it's not without its issues as well. So, sorry, that's the train. Um, so that's, that's my stance on HRT. If a woman is on it and she feels great on it, um, that's fantastic. But I'm not going to tell a woman to go on it because she's menopausal for her skin. Okay. Uh, okay. So what are people coming to you for in the UAE and when, you, when you're practicing? You split your time between the UAE and London. What, what are people, what are you seeing? What are we, what are we bringing to you? The most common, some it's it's mainly females. The average age of my female patients is about forty-one years old, which is how old I am. So it's that's a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so it's basically my age, um, and the most common things I see are concerns about pigmentation, mm-hmm. um, acne in my age group, and general aging concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the three biggest things that I manage in my clinic. And what are the best routes for those things, those age spots that crop up, the, um, those start early, like those can really start early and the age spots and just the beginning of the, the, someone said creepiness to me when I was 37 and it was the meanest thing. Cause it just suck in my head, you know, like she said, yeah. this creepiness. And now I just having a word for it. It was in a facial. 
you know how they, she dropped it there, but, um, yeah, for age spots and for that sort of dryness and crepey looking, what, what, what are the go-tos? So my first would always be to do a topical retinoid. So a vitamin A derivative called tretinoin, because in terms of um, stuff we know has an evidence base and is, uh, is recognized to actually do something for skin, nothing beats topical retinoids or tretinoin. They have the license, they've been tried and tested, um, and they've been around for decades and decades. So that is for maintaining collagen in the dermis, helping with surface, like with crepiness, um, also helping with acne, um, helping with overall appearance of skin and glow. You can't get better than a topical retinoid. Um, in the UAE, you can buy it over the counter without a prescription. Um, I can prescribe it as well uh, in the UAE, but that's all women after they've had their children and are no longer breastfeeding should almost certainly be on a topical retinoid to help maintain their skin health over time. Um, but the over-the-counter tube costs 14 dirhams. Amazing. What's the brand? Yeah. I couldn't catch up. It's a brand. It's called a cretin. That's the, that's the, that's the brand name for the tretinoin in Dubai, A-C-R-E-T-I-N. And it's tretinoin 0.025% or 0.05%. You have to ask the pharmacist for it. Um, it's not like on a shelf. You have to be like, hello, I'd like the tretinoin. <laughs> and then I'll say, <laughs> it's like some other brands over the counter, like a vitamin A derivative in some serum that costs 300 dirhams. So right. you're going to be like, no, no, I want the one for 14. Thank you very much. Okay. So that's the one you want uh, and use it every day, once a day at night. So that would be the first best topical treatment by far in this patient population. And for pigmentation, the most evidence-based and effective treatment or the only effective treatment for pigmentation is topical hydroquinone. Mm. Um, the tyrosinase inhibitor. And that is the gold standard treatment for pigmentation. When combined with a uh, tretinoin or a vitamin A derivative, it is uh, the, the, the blockbuster cream. Um, and that will clear melasma. It will clear solar pigmentation, just make your skin all one color. If, uh, most of these pigmentations, we get older of uh, any race. So whether you're Caucasian or, or Indian or whatever type one to six skin. So hydroquinone combined with tretinoin will absolutely do what we want it to do, which is give you that glow, smooth everything out and remove the pigmentation. Um, you know, general, it's, it's that combination is, is the best you can do when what's it comes good, to cream. Okay. What's a good brand for that? So hydroquinone is definitely a prescription only though. You can buy it over the counter again um, as a drug name. And it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a uh, brand name. It's just hydroquinone. You can only buy up to 4% over the counter in the UAE you cannot buy it over the counter in the UK or the EU. Um, so it's a, it's a medicine. Is that, is that what you prescribe the 4%? I know I prescribe 10%. 10% okay. Are you not, but, what about lasers? What about microdermabrasion? Are you not like, how do you make money? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know I don't make money. You're not taking um, yeah. brands. You're not telling me we need a whole bunch of devices that you sell. I don't know how you're making yeah. any money. You're selling a book. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I make tons of money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tons of money. Um, uh, no, I mean, how I make money? I make money through seeing patients, obviously. So I charge for consultations. Uh, but I'm just joking. Of, like a laser, yeah. a micro, all that stuff that you know that. Yeah, I don't do any of that. Any of that crap. There's only uh, two lasers I use in my clinic in Dubai. So I have a CO2 laser for resurfacing. So I use it for acne scarring, for general anti-aging, um, for fine lines, crepiness. It is the most intense laser on the market. It will whack the crap out of your skin, but it will give you that baby soft skin you, you want back. So um, that's a great one. And then I also just got a new laser um, that treats the little thread veins, like the ones around the nose, the cheeks, um, and that works brilliantly well. So uh, those are the two main, right now, those are the two 
uh, types of devices I use in my clinic. Um, and I do, I do a lot of Botox. I do a lot of Botox. Okay. That was my last thing to get to Botox and fillers, uh, safety. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people that seem to have fillers that haven't stayed where they were supposed to be, where they were. Yeah. Filler migration is a big deal. Um, in terms of, if we're going to talk, talk about Botox is very, very safe. So uh, Botox does the job. It stops your muscle from moving. So you stop from creating the crease in the skin, which causes the wrinkles. Um, it has to be done correctly. Otherwise you might look a bit weird. Um, I see a lot of weird people with <laughs> funny Botox. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you, do you like that? It moves like that. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to fix that? Um, so it is fixable. Uh, so Botox is great though. I mean, by far it's the most popular, um, injectable treatment of all time globally because it, it does what it, it says it's going to do and it's preventative for wrinkles. So Botox is great, great, great. It's also relatively inexpensive. Mm. Um, also good. Uh, so it's, it's like very accessible for most people. Fillers, dermal filler with hyaluronic acid is what I would use. Um, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I have messed around with filler for years, um, messed, messed around or done what I was trained to do. So um, I have a master's in aesthetic medicine. So I have a lot of training in all these kind of techniques like putting filler in the jawline, in the chin, in the nose, cheeks, nasal labials, even here in the glabella lines. I basically whittled down my practice to only doing lips and under the eye. <laughs> oh, why? So, because I don't like the effect of filler on people's faces. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done a cheek filler in about four years. So I just don't think it looks right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a 20 doctors down the road who will, be, who, will, who will be more than happy to put a couple mils of filler in your cheeks, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna have them unless you have a deformity or a defect or something. Um, you know, I correct, I correct facial defects like from surgery and stuff. Okay, that's different. Um, but for cosmetic reasons, no, I don't cheek filler. I don't do, I don't try to give people jaw lines with filler. I don't correct noses. I've seen lots of problems with noses and filler, um, lips in older women who lose volume in their upper lip can be quite aging. Um, so, you know, and also to kind of help with the barcode lines and then carefully selected patients, a little bit of filler right under the eye can really wake up that under eye area, um, and and make it look a a bit fresher. But that's pretty much as far as I go with filler in very small amounts. And when you say weird, sorry, very small amounts. Yeah, very small amounts. When you say weird, are you talking about like that sort of bumpy pillowy look we see on celebrities? Just that sort of, don't know what it is. You're just like, that's filler. That's, yeah. Yeah. So so when that's that's done, um, it photographs well, which is one of the issues. So Uh if you have filler here, um, that's making your cheeks look a bit wider, it's gonna make you photograph in a different way. So that's why celebrities look very different on photographs than in real life. And it creates, it also can ever so slightly lift this part of your face. So it can make everything look a bit uh, tighter, but it's, you need a crap load of filler to get that effect. We're talking like two to three mils per cheek to really get that. I also had a patient recently who I saw who had filler put into her hairline here to lift her eyebrows. Yeah, I know. So she had like a lump of filler under her hair. And that was what they did to, to give her a lift to the lateral brow. It's just total nonsense. It's like, that's insane. So she had these bumps here. I'm like, do you, so she had me d- dissolve it. Okay. Because you could see it through her hair. So I was like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that kind of thing. So when you see celebrities with those over puffed cheeks, um, lips, usually a jawline as well, that's just a lot of filler. 
Okay. Uh, oh gosh, I could talk to you all day, but I'll wrap it up. Um, skinfluencers. What's your take on the people that we're following? People that were, sorry. Oh, skinfluencers. That. What's your take on skinfluencers? Influencers. Influencers. Um, so a skinfluencer or influencer by definition is making money off of their social media. So they're monetizing social media. Um, that is, that is the definition of an influencer. So, um, when it comes to recommending beauty products and skincare, they are being paid to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want advice about which, you know, cleanser to buy, yeah. Okay. Look at an influencer and just buy whatever they tell you to buy, but it's not going to be, you're not buying something for a specific reason or because like, that influencer thinks it's effective for something in particular because they're they're being you know told to you know here we'll give you this much money if you promote this product so you can't trust them and I, I just have no trust in them the thing is to me anyone who's not a doctor I don't really care what you do um, because there is no code of ethics about what you know even what a journalist will will sell on you know what I mean there's no there is no code of ethics you have no obligation you don't have a title that instills a sense of trust do you know what I mean mm -hmm. while doctors we have a code of ethics we need to follow we you know so to me I don't really I'm not hugely bothered I just find the influencers a little annoying but I'm like yeah, yeah whatever you know you're not I don't care what you can say whatever you want but it, I only really have an issue with 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 medical doctors using their abusing their title yeah um to yeah and you have a pretty you have a pretty healthy following on social media how like what made you what you know i know a lot of doctors and scientists aren't there aren't, aren't on there but what made you dive in um initially it was because i was working in dubai so um when i started working in dubai the clinic was like you have to be on social media because all doctors are and i was like why would i do that i don't want to be on social media but they're like no 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 it's the dubai way and now i appreciate that it is the dubai way so, and I was like, okay, fine. So that's why I, I even got Instagram was because I was kind of told to by the clinic I was working for. And then when I started to think about what I wanted to do and I, I started getting professional assistance because I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it properly because I'm a professional. And what, what the professional person who I hired, the first um, girl I hired, she was very good. Her name was Sammy. She said, what is your point of like, what do you want to achieve? And so I had to really think about what I was going to achieve. Is this, what am I trying to do with my social media? And then I was like, well, actually, why don't I just use this as a platform to educate people about all this crap? <laughs> and that's really how it started. So it was just like, let me, let me just, you know, start debunking all these nonsense myths. Mm -hmm. And then it just went this is, well, it is so incredibly refreshing to speak to you and have, and hear this. And I love it. I'm just so glad you're on. I'm so glad I found you on social media. I, I'm, I'm glad I found you in your book, Intelligent. And um, I hope we keep in touch. Thank you so much. There it is. There it is. So much. Ask me. I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.